Welcome to the Movement Link podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Aitken. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist with over 15 years experience and movement is my cup of tea. Now, we know there is a strong link between how much we move and what we choose to fuel our bodies with when it comes to health and performance. So I hope this podcast will leave you with a few takeaways that allows you to move, perform and feel your best. So put your earbuds in, get moving and I hope you enjoy this episode. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Movement Link podcast. So this week, I am going to be talking about food tracking and if you've read the title of the episode, then I'm specifically going to be running through the pros and cons of tracking macros versus following a meal plan as it always seems to be quite a hotly debated topic as to which one is better. Now, if you're not familiar with either of these, then macros and meal plans are essentially just two different ways that people can track their food intake. So a meal plan is exactly what it sounds like. It is a plan that is going to detail uh, specifically the types of food in each meal and also the amounts of food in each meal. And then on top of that, it's also going to outline the timing that each meal should occur. So that's a meal plan. Now, macros, on the other hand, are going to involve somebody tracking their intake of those three main macronutrients, so carbohydrates, protein, and fats. And sometimes we might also track fiber in there as well. Now, you guys should know me well enough by now, I hope, to know what my answer is going to be when somebody asks if macros or meal plans are better. And my answer is that it depends, right? So it's going to depend on many factors. It's going to depend on the individual, on their goals, um, on their nutritional literacy. So what their understanding and knowledge is around foods and food types and the makeup and composition of certain foods. And it's also going to depend on their goals and their personal situation. So there are going to be Um, pros and cons of both tracking your macros and also pros and cons of following a meal plan. And there are then going to be situations where neither a meal plan nor macros are going to provide the best outcome for the individual. And I feel that it is really important here for coaches to be flexible in their approach and in what method they implement with any of their clients or athletes that they're working with because everyone is different, right? And it is not about what works best for us personally as a coach or as a nutritionist. It is about what is going to work best for the person that we are working with. So let's look at the pros and cons of both macros and meal plans and then also some situations where one of those might be a little bit more appropriate than the other. So personally, I have no bias um, either way when it comes to macros and meal plans. And as I've said before, there's situations where neither of those options are going to be the best option for the individual that I'm working with. Um, But I will always provide for what I feel will work best for that person that I'm working with. And, you know, sometimes that's not going to be macros and it's not going to be meal plans. And we're going to be needing to look at another approach altogether to assist that person in meeting their nutrition and food-related goals. But back on the topic of macros and meal plans, let's actually start with meal plans. So let's look at some of the benefits of meal plans. So the pros of meal plans to start with. So one of the primary benefits of meal plans is that they require no thinking, 
right? Um, They are great for someone who doesn't have time to think on their feet um, because you have everything detailed out for you. So it's also going to be really simple for someone on a meal plan to plan ahead um, and to batch cook. So to prepare many meals um, at the same time. So some of those simple benefits. Now, they are also going to be great for if we look at um, the sporting side of things, for an athlete in weight-making sports, such as powerlifting, weightlifting, or maybe an athlete in a physique sport, such as bodybuilding, um, where they need to achieve perhaps an extremely high level of conditioning with very little room for error, okay? So meal plans are going to be very specific in detailing what and how much somebody can eat. So it takes a lot of the, um, I guess, guesstimation and error out of things. Now, meal plans can also be really helpful for somebody with low nutritional literacy. Um, So nutritional literacy, as I've just touched on before, is the understanding that somebody has around different types of food, um, what those foods comprise of. So are they high in carbohydrate? Are they high in fat? Are they low in protein? Um, So an understanding around basic food types and when to apply them within their diet. So meal plans are really helpful if someone doesn't have a a lot of understanding or general knowledge um, about foods, about suitable portion sizes, um, and about which foods are good sources of different macro and micronutrients. So they're fantastic. Meal plans are fantastic for somebody who may struggle to actually create a balanced meal um, on their own. So there's some of the really high level benefits of meal plans. Now let's flip the coin and let's look at some of the cons of meal plans. Now, if you followed a meal plan before, then I am sure you will know that they can get pretty damn boring and monotonous pretty quickly, right? If you are following a meal plan for any length of time and you've got the same breakfast, the same lunch, the same dinner, the same snacks on repeat, or the same types of foods in there day after day, um, then you're probably going to lose interest very quickly, okay? So that's one of the cons of meal plans. Now, Another um, negative side here is that they can be extremely rigid um, and there's often very room for flexibility. So if you have all of your meals and snacks laid out for you in the meal plan, it's very hard to make room to go out for brunch on the weekend or to catch up with friends for dinner um, or maybe to fit in an extra coffee, you know, on a social occasion. So they're very, very rigid. Now, When it comes to meal plans, they can, if they are not well planned, then they can offer very little variety in both foods. And they can also be very restrictive sometimes in terms of the variety of vitamins, minerals, and micronutrients that someone is getting if that meal plan doesn't provide for alternatives in food types or rotations in some foods, such as rotating through different types of fruits, veggies, uh, different protein sources, and different whole grains. So just something that I feel is very, very important to be aware of if you are following a meal plan. So we need to be, you know, where possible, just swapping in and out different food sources when we can on occasion. Um, Because if the only things on your meal plan are chicken, rice, um, and maybe some broccoli, you know, it's going to be hard to argue with the fact that you are likely missing out on some really important micronutrients. 
Now, one of my other concerns um, with meal plans is that they are often issued and handed out without any guidance. So, you know, there are many many occasions where those meal plans don't generally provide for any education or learning. So your stock standard meal plans don't really teach people how to eat in the in the real world. Um, and for people following a meal plan, they're often, um, they don't really know how to make suitable food swaps or food substitutions when they're left to their own devices because they've never really been taught how to do this. So if you've only ever been following a meal plan um, and you know that you've been eating chicken, you know, at lunch with a, with a salad, you've been eating some steak at dinner with some veggies and you've been eating your oats for breakfast. You know, what happens when you go out to brunch one day? How do you create a balanced meal or how do you pick something off the menu um, that is generally going to loosely tick the boxes that align with your goals? So again, just something else to be aware of on the side if you are following um, quite a rigid meal plan. Now, this is a big one. My other concern when it comes to meal plans is that I feel it is completely unrealistic to think that a meal plan can be followed forever. Um, yet what we often see when it comes to meal plans is they they are handed out without an exit strategy. So what do you do at the end of your 10-week challenge when your meal plan ends? How do you implement what you've learned into the real world when you no longer have that structure to follow? And that's one of the primary issues I think we see when people complete an eight or a 10-week challenge or however long it is. Um, and the challenge has involved them following a meal plan. So anyone can follow something that is quite restrictive for a period of time when they know that they have an end date. But many people then struggle to find balance within their lifestyle once that end date or meal plan um, has come to an end. So what do you do now? Um, And then one more con with meal plans is that like macros, they do still require you to be weighing and measuring your food on occasions in order to be accurate. So if you have 50 grams of oats um, in your breakfast with maybe 200 grams of almond milk, 100 grams of Greek yogurt and 75 grams of berries, you're going to have to measure that out or weigh that out in some capacity to ensure that you're um, following that meal plan reasonably accurately. Okay, so we're going to have to do that with macros as well. But if you're someone who does not have the time, does not enjoy getting your kitchen scales out, weighing out your food portions, measuring things to ensure that you're ticking the boxes, then, you know, maybe a meal plan Um, in this regard with this level of rigidity or maybe macros are not going to be the best option for you in assisting you to meet your nutrition and food related goals. Okay so now that we have run through the pros and cons of meal plans I'm going to just run through a few of my general thoughts on them. So in terms of meal plans for the average person with low nutritional literacy, meal plans can be helpful, I think, as a short-term tool just to help create some structure, as long as they come with ongoing education and also a plan to help that person transition away from the meal plan to ensure that they can continue to make um, appropriate food choices when that meal plan ends. Because let's be realistic here, meal plans should certainly not be a forever thing. Okay, this is one of my first thoughts. Now, for an athlete who needs to make weight or maybe an athlete competing in a physique-based sport, meal plans can be helpful as a short-term tool. And this is because they're going to encourage a really high level of precision and accuracy when there is little room for error. So 
if a power lifter is, let's say they're needing to cut some weight to qualify for their weight class before a competition, then a meal plan can provide the structure and deep detail that that person needs. So it will tell them how much to eat. It's going to tell them how much to drink. It's going to give them information on exactly what types of foods to eat and also when to eat it. And then my final thought here is probably a little bit more personal and anecdotal when it comes to meal plans, but I do feel in my experience and from feedback that people have provided me with, very, very few people can truly stick to a meal plan long enough to warrant any reasonable results. Um, You know, I, I know I've handed out meal plans before. I've seen other coaches hand out meal plans and more often than not, we see clients or people that we are working with get maybe five days, seven days, maybe at best two weeks through that meal plan. And then they start to deviate away from that meal plan. And we see, you know, cheap meals um, start to creep in and things like that. So I just don't necessarily for, for the average person think that they are always the best option to warrant sustainable and long-term results. So although meal plans have a place, um, I personally And probably not a huge fan of them for the general person unless they come with options and education. And I have seen some fantastic meal plans out there that teach people how to actually build a balanced meal. So the meal plan will have, say, four or five boxes um, at a given meal. So let's say at lunch. And the individual is then encouraged to choose one item from each of those boxes. So if we're looking at the meal plan around lunchtime, the first box that this person might come across on their meal plan might be a box um, around protein. And they've got the option within this box of choosing one type of protein. So it might be chicken, it might be lean mince, it might be fish, maybe it's tofu. They're then going to build the rest of their meal around their protein choice. Okay, so they move on to the second box. And within this second box, they have the option of choosing some form of carbohydrate. So it might be a wrap. It might be using or adding some multigrain bread to their lunch. It might be using some rice or maybe they're choosing chickpeas. Maybe they've chosen their fish and they're choosing some chickpeas or lentils to go with their fish. And then they move on to the third box. And here, perhaps they've got a selection of veggies or salad to choose from. So they might be encouraged to choose, let's say, three or four different types of veg to add to their lunch. And then they're moving on to the next box. And here they might select a really good source of dietary fat to add to their lunch. And this might be a choice of maybe avocado, extra virgin olive oil, maybe it's some nuts and seeds, maybe it's some hummus. So plenty of options there. And then they move on to the final box. And when they get to the final box, they see that they've got an option of adding something fun. This might be a dressing, maybe some tamari, maybe some fresh herbs and spices, some balsamic, maybe some feta. So what they have done here with this meal plan is that this meal plan is actually teaching people how to combine different foods such as protein, carbohydrates and fats and then they're learning how to build a balanced meal so it's a really good guideline um, that people can follow to help them start to gain a better understanding as to what goes into creating that balanced meal so that would be a fantastic example of a meal plan that offers education and also flexibility because I think one of the most important things when it comes to food is that food should be enjoyed. Okay, so that is going to sum up the pros and cons of meal plans as well as some of my thoughts. Now, let's move on to macros. So when it comes to tracking macros, 
often I think people are going to be given a certain allocation of macros by their coach, or maybe they'll set their own target. So if you have seen this on social media or Instagram, or maybe you have tracked macros yourself, then you're probably going to see this written along the lines of maybe 140p, so 140 grams of protein, 380c and 70f. So this means that the person has targets to hit of 140 grams of protein, 380 grams of carbohydrates, and 70 grams of fats each day, and that they can allocate, um, you know, those macros to their meals as they wish and of their choosing. So when it comes to the pros of macros, in general, they're going to offer more flexibility and they are going to provide for greater variety in food choices and meal composition. So if you're tracking your macros, you do get the opportunity to mix and match as you please, essentially when it comes to building your meals and um, determining your food choices. Now, other pros of macros, tracking macros can also, they can be a really good learning tool, okay, for understanding the makeup and composition of certain foods. And they can also be a great tool to help you start to gauge portion sizes. So if you are measuring out 100 grams of banana every morning to go on your oats to hit your carbohydrate target, pretty soon you're going to be pretty adept at knowing what 100 grams of banana looks like. And you're probably going to be able to eyeball that pretty accurately in the not too distant future. So as you start tracking, um, and you might be using an app such as MyFitnessPal, it is one of the most popular ones out there. Um, It's also got a pretty comprehensive free version. So as you start tracking, you're also going to start to learn which foods contain carbohydrates, um, which foods are a good source of protein, and then what you should be eating to hit your intake of dietary fats. And by learning this, it's going to help increase the or your awareness of the makeup of certain foods. And as our knowledge improves, it's also going to be much, much easier for that person to make better food choices on the flyer. So if they're in a restaurant, they know that chicken is high in protein. They are going to know through their tracking experience that pasta is high in carbohydrate. And they're also going to know that olive oil and cream are pretty high in fat. So if you're ordering a chicken carbonara, which is all of those ingredients, then it's going to be potentially quite a high protein meal, but it's also going to be pretty high in carbohydrate and fat. And therefore, that meal is going to be a pretty high calorie option. So the same goes on the flip side. If that person through their tracking has tracked grilled chicken, they've obviously tracked different types of veggies and salad, they're going to know that ordering a grilled chicken salad with some dressing on the side, if they go out to a restaurant, is going to be a much lower calorie choice. So there's some of the pros of tracking your macros. Now, when it comes to the cons of tracking macros, and there are plenty, I track macros personally. Um, I do it pretty religiously day to day, Um, but there are absolutely downsides to tracking macros. And I will acknowledge that it is definitely not for everyone. Okay. So firstly, some of the downsides to tracking macros. Um, I do feel, and I see this quite a bit, that people often use tracking macros as a free-for-all and a bit of an excuse to fit whatever... (laughs) um, I'm looking for a nice word here. Whatever crap they can fit into their diet because... I-I-F-Y-M, right? So if you haven't come across I-I-F-Y-M, it stands for if it fits your macros. And essentially, this is going to mean that if you can manipulate your macros enough to fit in X type of food, then it's fine to eat it. 
All right. So I feel sometimes people will abuse their macros and play Tetris with their macros until they're able to fit in all types of rubbish. So the cheeseburger that they had from McDonald's, the half a block of chocolate that got consumed on the lounge on Friday night. Um, And I just don't think macros are or tracking macros, that's the right way to be doing things if that is the option you have chosen in terms of tracking your food and improving your nutrition. So that is the first thing. If you want to track your macros, then I do feel that there is a level of personal responsibility that comes with this. Okay. Now, secondly, tracking macros generally requires a person to have at least an intermediate level of nutritional literacy in order to be able to track somewhat accurately. So what I mean by this is I do feel that if you want to track your macros, you need to have at least an intermediate understanding of which foods contain some protein, um, which foods you're going to be able to get your carbohydrates from, and then where your dietary fats are hidden. So tracking macros can actually be quite eye-opening if you have never done it before. Now, when you're tracking your macros, it can take some practice and it can take what I like to call macro Tetris um, or manipulation of macros to be able to accurately hit your targets. And if you are new to tracking your macros, it can be very, very time consuming um, to hit your targets or if you have low nutritional literacy. So I vividly remember when I started tracking macros, um, I don't think I really had any understanding or I didn't have a good understanding of, um, you know, which foods were necessarily high in protein, which foods were high in carbohydrate. And it's something that I've learned quite quickly as I started to track. But I remember having a, a target to hit in terms of my macros and it would take me, I would sit there the night before um, and I would be planning out all of my meals for the next day and it would take me probably half an hour of 40 minutes of, you know, plus and minus a bit of Tetris here and there, give and take with certain foods to bring things, you know, in line and pretty close to my macro targets. Now, I can do the same thing now within the space of about, you know, 60 to 90 seconds. So you do get quite adept um, at tracking your macros. It becomes very, very easy when you have done it for a period of time. But like anything, it is a skill and it just takes practice. So, you know, another con with your macros is that it's obviously going to require tracking. Um, And like meal plans, in order to track accurately, you are going to have to weigh your foods and you're going to have to be prepared to measure things out in order to be accurate. Now, one of the other downsides here with tracking macros is that there can be Um, high level of inaccuracy or error if you're selecting incorrect entries within your food database um, or your macro tracking database, such as MyFitnessPal, or if you are measuring things inaccurately. Okay, so if you're using a combination of raw versus cooked weights, um, if you're not measuring liquids accurately, and if you're not tracking uh, dressings, sauces, cooking oils, and things like that, then it can really create quite a significant discrepancy in what you track versus what you are actually consuming. So um, definitely uh, a level of error can be involved if it's something that you're just not entirely across in a lot of detail. So they're the downsides to tracking macros. So let me run through some of my thoughts on macros just as a bit of a summary. So for someone with low nutritional literacy, and no idea about carbohydrates, 
proteins and fats and which foods contain those macronutrients, then tracking is likely going to be very, very time consuming and probably quite frustrating for that person. And it's generally, I imagine, and with what I have seen, it's going to lead to poor outcomes just due to inaccuracy. And that's just due to lack of skill in the area of tracking macros. Now, for someone with an intermediate level of knowledge around the composition of different foods, then macros can offer a lot of variety and flexibility and help um, that person to gain a greater understanding of food swaps. And also, it's going to be really good in being able to roughly eyeball portion sizes or guesstimate portion sizes if you are eating out or in a position where you're not able to weigh and um, accurately measure what you are eating. Okay, so there's some of my final thoughts on macros. Now, just to summarize before I wrap this episode up, macros and meal plans, guys, are not your only options when it comes to improving your diet and your food choices. So if someone is simply looking to improve their relationship with food and gain a better understanding of food, then they don't necessarily need to be allocated macros or provided with a meal plan in order to achieve their nutrition um, and food-related goals. Now, if someone comes to me and has experienced tracking macros, and that is their preference, then I will absolutely work with that after taking into consideration, you know, a few other things in regards to their personal goals, um, their experience, and things like that. And at the end of the day, I don't necessarily feel that meal plans or macros should be followed forever, and nor is it healthy to do so. So, you know, I do think that you know it is a skill to be able to eat intuitively for a lot of us you know maybe it is going to take some practice but I think it's an extremely healthy thing to be able to step away from your meal plan and to be able to step away from my fitness pal and simply eat what you feel your body needs so I guess going into more detail on that topic though is going to be one for another episode so guys I hope you found this episode helpful so plenty of information in there on the pro and cons of tracking your macros versus following a meal plan. And as I said, if you don't feel that either one of those options are the best option for you, or you don't feel comfortable following a meal plan or tracking your macros, then that is okay because there are other options out there. And it's certainly not a case of, you know, you must choose macros or meal plans in order to be successful with your nutrition goals. So on that note, um, if you enjoyed the episode, I would love if you can take a screenshot of it, pop it up on your story. You can tag me at Gemily underscore XFiz. And if you have any questions at all, you're welcome to drop me an email and you can catch me at the movement link at gmail.com. So guys, have a fantastic rest of your day. Put your earbuds in, keep moving, and I'll be back with another episode soon. Mm-hmm.